Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Miller Thomas, the always wonderful host of this podcast. In need of a full-time job, graduated from the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism here at Arizona State University in need of a full-time job. So please go check out my website, millerthomas 24 dot my portfolio.com on there you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design for today's show as always we are talking about baseball and specifically i got tj matthewson on one of my good buddies free agent sports broadcaster baseball nerd and we're gonna d- continue the mike trout debate i know baseball is starting this week i know you guys want to hear it but don't worry i'm just gonna do this thing called mike trout mondays for the next couple of weeks just to bring these uh me versus tj matthewson debates uh of mike trout just so we could bring it to the forefront over the next three or so mondays so every monday for the next three weeks or so is gonna be mike trout mondays where i debate tj matthewson just because we have such a long par- uh, pod that we pre-recorded and so i'm gonna drop those in installments so that's what we're talking about today but be on the lookout for later in the week because i just recorded a podcast with javi peno host of the lockdown padres we hit a lot of different talking points we hit who's gonna win the showdown on the, the cowboy showdown on friday and some other fun stuff, so be on the lookout for that. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast, Locked On Diamondbacks, to listen to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, here is that debate between... T.J. Matthewson and I on whether, uh, basically on how we view Mike Trout. All right, we got T.J. Matthewson on today's pod. Free agent sports broadcaster, recent graduate of Arizona State University, Seattle Mariners fan, and big baseball nerd. T.J., how are you doing today? Shane, thanks so much for having me on. I mean, when, when you were stirring up all this, uh, all this Mike Trout debate, I knew, I knew I had to get in on it. So I always love coming on, uh, coming on a podcast and talking and, uh, give my two cents, um, and give myself something to do while most of us in sports are unemployed nowadays. Yeah. I mean, uh, the landscape hasn't been pretty for us sports broadcasters, recent graduates, uh, hasn't been too, too many job opportunities out there, but as TJ mentioned, we're here to talk Mike Trout uh, today because you guys heard on, you know, my last two pods, I've had uh, Dylan Short on, host of the Lockdown Braves, to debate, the, debate, you know, the greatness of Mike Trout. We have differing perspectives. I think TJ here, he, he's here to, you know, kind of back up Dylan Short a little bit and kind of tell me why Mike Trout is so great. So TJ, I pose this question to you. And then you could just answer it yes or no, and I'll just give pretty much – I'll go first in my opinion, but I need to know, TJ. Do you think Mike Trout is in the same conversation as a LeBron James or a Tom Brady? Right at this moment, no, because he's only played nine years. That's why. Okay. LeBron's, but- on, year 17. LeBron's on year 17. Brady's going to be on year 20 now, right? Yeah, I think about – Yeah. I mean, he's been so, and then, and especially for baseball, I've mentioned this to you multiple times. I hate these cross-sport comparisons because baseball is so much different, and that's what obviously that's going to be some of my points today about just yeah how it, it's so hard to compare 
these sports, you know, with, with Brady being paired up with Belichick and such, and, you know, having the three Super Bowls at the beginning of his career, taking 10 years where he didn't win anything, and then won three Super Bowls in the latter half of his career with Belichick, and it's now in Tampa Bay. And then, uh, like, basketball, it's even more, because it's, it's basketball is such an individualistic sport where the stars really can carry teams to championships and such with LeBron has done with the Cavaliers and with the Miami Heat. And I think we'll also do it with the Lakers sometime in the next couple of years. But nonetheless, yeah, it's, you know, he's, he's been playing for nine years and you can't, you can't do that yet. It, that's an unfair comparison to him. Okay. Then let me ask you this real quick, TJ, before I get into my quick Mike Trout rant, do you think if you retire today, he will already be a top 25 player of all time? Uh, I do I, I do think so, maybe like in the 20s, but I, I think yes, I, I do think so. I looked at that. I've been listening to you, Shane. I, I've been lo- I looked at that ESPN top 25 list that you were talking about. I do still have it up, don't I? I do. Let's see who's at number 25 right here. Number 25, uh, Steve Carlton. Yeah, I would say he's better than Steve Carlton, uh, Trish Speaker. Uh, out, uh, I don't know if he's better than A-Rod. So that's that's where I'll probably cut it off. So if you have 25, he's probably uh, right there uh, edging at 25. You know, A-Rod was pretty good. So uh, he, after not, but that just shows you, dude, nine seasons, and we're, we're talking about him next to A-Rod in that list. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, that's, that is pretty nuts, TJ. But you know what I else? You know what else I think is pretty nuts? Being a top 25 player, being among that class, and being the least accomplished of any of those guys, TJ. If you look at that list of the top 25 players of all time, there's only three guys on that top 25 list who've been to the playoffs one time through nine years of their career. Mike Trout, Roger Hornsby, and Joe Morgan. Those are the only three players through nine years of their career been to the playoffs one time. But the difference is Joe Morgan and Roger Hornsby both made it to the World Series in their lone playoff appearance through nine years. And, you know, frankly, they both had more than one playoff hit. For a guy like Mike Trout, who people think has a trajectory and is Jordan-esque, why is someone like him, you know, through nine years, the least accomplished player of any all-time great? Nine years, only one playoff hit. TJ, something just not adding up there. Uh, least accomplished. I mean, if you just look at his baseball reference page, there's not much he hasn't done, Shane, besides the fact he's only played in three playoff games. Three playoff games to a team that went to Game 7 of the World Series and only lost because they faced one of the greatest postseason pitching performances Madison Bumgarner in 2014 with the Giants, with the Kansas City Royals I'm talking about. But, you know, of the, this, that team was that close to being back-to-back World Series champions. Three games. Three games. Plus, and I'm going to talk about this more when you probably – you're going to dive in more. And it, it, you, you can't just look at Mike Trout in this situation. Let's say maximum, all right, maximum over the course of a major league season – if Mike Trout, uh, he bats once every nine times, maximum over the course of a season, he can impact 11% of his team's at-bat. 11%. That's the maximum he can do. So you're telling me someone who only maximum can control 11% of his team's offense, and then let's say he gets you know, three to four putouts in the field, steals the base, We'll up that to, I'd say, about 15%, maybe, of his total 
team uh, performance and effort. You're, you're telling me we can p- only point our fingers at him for the reason his franchise has played three playoff games in in the nine years he's been in the league. I wouldn't. Like, it, I, I have some more. I have some more numbers for you that I'm going to mention after you have your rebuttal. Um, but also the fact he only had one hit. You're, you're mentioning 12 at bats. 12 at bats of Mike Trout season. The average major league player gets about 650 at bats in a major league season, and 12 at bats of that is less than two percent. Two percent, and. It, it, we're, we're talking sample size. Obviously, you've taken statistics, right, Shane? Yeah, I did enjoy it, but I did take it. You did take statistics. And, you know, like, when you have a sample size that small, it really doesn't take a whole lot for it to look really good or really bad. For Mike Trout, that was 12 not so good at that. But you're, I know you're going to compare him to David Ortiz here in a little bit. But if we look at David Ortiz, who has 400 plate appearances in the playoffs, you know, like nearly two-thirds of the season's worth, I'm sure Mike Trout's numbers would look exactly like they do in the regular season. We'll get into more of that Mike Trout debate, but first, it doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs the support to make it through their day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets hectic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like arnic and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier, try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer. They're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products, CBD oil products from CBDMD. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to that conversation between TJ Matthewson and I. Uh, maybe, but David Ortiz was 37 years old. He was a DH. He is a guy who's a little overweight. He's not Mike Trout, who's 6'3", 250, who's arguably considered the best Which player. Which is why Mike Trout has already passed him in wins above replacement, and he's a better offensive player in literally almost every single offensive category than David Ortiz. Okay, that well... We well, we'll since you brought up wins above replacement, we'll just dive mm-hmm. into that real quick because mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because you know how much I know I, you love that stat. I know you love it. You know I love it. A hypothetical stat that I love because wins above replacement it measures a player's value in all facets all facets of the game by deciphering how many wins he he will add over the replacement level player. Isn't that right, TJ? Correct. Yeah, but the, I think the last part of that definition we forget 
It's a replacement level player at that same position. So for example, if a shortstop and a first baseman offer the same overall production on offense, defense, and the base pass, the shortstop will have a better war because his position sees a lower level production from replacement level players. In- incorrect. No, because a, a replacement level shortstop would bring more defensive value than a replacement level first baseman. Therefore, it would be 10 wins over a replacement level shortstop rather than 10 wins over a replacement level generic player. So the ceiling of the shortstop is higher than the of a replacement level shortstop is higher than a replacement level first baseman. And I, I remember hearing your argument on your first podcast you did when you were noting Mookie Betts in right field and stacking up uh, his, his position against Mike Trout, who plays center field in a less stacked position, while a center field brings a greater defensive value to the team, a replacement level center fielder would have a higher replacement value than a replacement level right fielder because a right fielder is not always the most athletic guy on the field. That's sometimes where you'll stick your, you know, 6'5", 230 slug, right-hand hitting slugger, um, Mark Trumbo, for example, over there. And then with all that, Mookie Benz's war is not quite as high because he still, regardless of the lower value, is not putting up as much as Mike Trout is in center when he's, you know, averaging 10 wins a season in center field. Well, TJ, I think we're going to have to disagree there. I think it matters. The war takes into account who's at your position. And since Mike Trout's position has less talent, by that, his war is going to be better. No. No, that, that's not true. You could go to MLB.com, so. uh, TJ. says it right there, the definition for you on war. Go to MLB.com. And then let me... Just, per- because, just because his position doesn't have as good of pure hitters at the plate isn't, doesn't take away from Mike, how good Mike Trout is. No, but it goes into his war. That's why it's so inflated. TJ, do you no. know... Craig- TJ, look at this. The is so inflated is because he is playing a more valuable defensive position on the field than the players in right field are doing. That's why his war is so high. TJ, Because then he wh- brings more defensive value in center field than in the other positions on the diamond. TJ, then why is Mike Trout's defensive war in the negatives most years he plays? You know, Mike Trout has had a defensive war Where in the negatives. Baseballreference.com. Don't look at war. Look at defensive war. Just the defensive war. And Mike Trout actually some years was a negative defensive player according to war. So what does that mean then, TJ? You keep telling me he's the greatest defensive player of all time. performance at the plate is just that good. Ten wins. We can't say his performance at the plate is that good and then also say his war is so high because of his defense when actually his defensive war isn't that good. You look at Mookie Best's defensive war. Because he plays a more difficult defensive position. That's where I disagree. Look at MLB.com's top 10 right fielders, uh, top 10 center fielders right now. Not right fielders. Top 10 center fielders right now. Most of those guys don't even play center field. They got Cody Bellinger at second, at uh, number two on the list. He played center field. He played more games at first than center field in his career. Whit Merrifield is number five. Because roster is so stacked. That's why he played so many games at first base. How about Whit Merrifield, who's number five? He's played more games at second than center field. Like, I, like, yes, he's a second baseman, but look at your own team, Shane, the Red Sox, Jackie Bradley Jr. plays center field. Like, Jackie Bradley Jr. is probably the best defensive center fielder in the game, and then it's probably Mike Trout. 
Okay, and my uh, Jack Browns Jr. is not a good offensive player. That's why he doesn't have a good war. Mike Trout's going against guys like Jackie Bradley for war. That's why his war is so good. Who else plays at his position? That does matter. The average, the average replacement level player, not other active players at his position. Yes, it's the average replacement level player, but it it still takes into account the talent at that position. Because TJ, look at this. Why, how can you explain Christian Yelich not being top 10 in war then? A guy who's finished top two in MVP. Because he's an average defensive player. Now how does he win a gold glove, TJ? I know you don't like gold gloves, but it has to gold mean something. Gloves are, you know, Eric Hosmer has four gold gloves, and he's, he's a terrible defender at first base. Okay, and so... Gloves are one of the most irrelevant, irrelevant awards out there. It literally has nothing to do with your defense. So you a guy... Know, so the guy, writers will vote on the gold glove by looking at your offensive stats. Oh, he hit 300 with 30 home runs. He deserves a gold glove. That's how it works. So the award for best defensive player position means nothing. And then wait, TJ, no. if you actually look at Yelich's numbers offensively, you could actually say they've been better than Trout the last two years. Average OBP slugging. A season and a half. A season and a half of Christian Yelich being better than Mike Trout. And then we look at Mike Trout's stats for his career, and he's just done it uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons in a row. Well, I'm saying how can a guy who's, you know, arguably the MVP of the league the last two years not top ten in war? How does that make any sense? What other league can a guy win? Because he has less defensive value than Trout. He has less defensive, but war takes into account everything, offense and base pass. You're telling me a guy who can at least win a gold glove is not at least an adequate defender enough to how, – how, how is other guys uh, on this list who are not great defenders ahead of uh, a Christian Yelich who don't even compare offensively? You're telling me their defense is taken that much into – a less valuable position on the field. Okay, TJ. And then let me tell you this one last point about war. Why it's okay. the, the worst stat it can use. Let me tell you one more definition of how they calculate. You know what war does? I know. Okay. Uh, no, sorry to interrupt for a second. So <laughs> I know you said war is inconsistent and no one agrees on it. But the one thing they consistently agree on is that Mike Trout is the best. That's what they do agree on. Maybe. He's yeah. always on the top. Yeah. I think it's because of the position he plays. But let me tell you this real quick, TJ. There is, this is from baseballreference.com on how they calculate war. There is no okay. one way to determine war. There are hundreds Correct. of steps to make this calculation and uh-huh. dozens of places where reasonable people can disagree on the best way to implement a mm-hmm. particular part of the framework. So basically, one group of people calculating these results can have different results than another group of people calculating the same formula. So if I'm looking at a stat that can't be universal across the board, why should I, why should I look at that stat? If I, I could go make a website, go make war, and then have Mookie Betts the See, best war player. You know what, why they're trying to do that? They're tricking, trying to take out all of the flukiness and randomness in baseball to come up with a stat that, that, that it's not perfect, of course, but that, that tr- values a player at what they are at. Because I have heard what, you, what, what the stats you're using to stack up these players Batting average and hits are two of the worst stats in baseball to use to evaluate a player. Why? Because they're fluky. They, they're how, not how's that more? But how's no, no no two hits are the same, Shane. You can hit a ball twenty feet on the infield; it's ruled a hit. But you can scorch a ball three hundred and eighty feet into the gap of the outfield, one hundred and ten exit below off the bat, 
and Jackie Bradley Jr. in center dives and robs you of a hit um, because just because he was playing shaded over in left center field and you couldn't get that hit. I, I mean, it, it literally, there's no one way that you can every single time get a hit besides hitting a home run, which, you know, at most, Barry Bonds level, 73 times in a season. That is the only way you guarantee to hit every single time because you can hit a ball that's normally a ground ball through the five and a half hole at shortstop. That'll be a base hit. But next time, the defense puts a defender right there and you hit a ball in the exact same spot and instead you're out. Meanwhile, let's turn this over to basketball. I said I don't like comparing the sports, but um, we'll go to basketball. Nonetheless, regardless of where you are on the court, as long as you put the ball in the basket, it's a bucket. That's what it is. But in baseball, there's no specific way to, you know, get a hit every single time. Like, there's just, there's nowhere on the field you can put it that you can get it every single time. You can hit the crap out of the ball just all over the field. But if the defense is playing in the right spot, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, that's the nature of the beast. I don't see how that makes it more fluky. does not matter how hard you're hitting the ball, whether you have a good approach at the plate. It's, it, 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 it is rewarding you if you get lucky enough to hit the ball where the defense is not playing, which is why they make stats, uh, which is why you, know, you use batting average on balls in play. Your batting average on balls you hit in play, which in average, you know, for my trout, that would probably be about, I would say, 320, 315. On average, but it depends. Manny Machado a couple seasons ago in 2017 led the league in hard hit percentage, but still only hit 258 because he hit into a lot of bad luck, for example. So. Yeah, maybe it was bad luck. Maybe he just keeps hitting it at the defenders. Some guys just so have better instinct gonna, of where to put the ball. Batting average, if you're going to use batting average and hit to evaluate you know, uh, players, uh, all time or their their total offensive value, then Ichiro is the greatest player of all time. No, and you can make the argument average. Ichiro is the greatest contact hitter of all time. He could be in that discussion for Probably sure. Probably Tony Gwynn, but uh, I maybe. mean, agree to disagree. Maybe, but you could say Ichiro is the greatest hitter of all time if you're just saying baseball, if you're taking into account his, uh, of course, overseas career. I mean, Ichiro for his career is a 3-11 hitter. So if you told me he's the greatest hitter of all time, I'm not going to disagree. He has a couple he's seasons not, where he, where he bad 350. He has a few seasons. There's more, there's more to baseball than just slapping singles through the infield. You could do what Mike Trout does and slug six, nearly 600 for your career with an OPS over 1,000 and walking over or getting on base 42% of the time. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to this edition of the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to TJ. We'll have more of that Mike Trout Monday coming up in the next two weeks. And be on the lookout later this week for a preview of the D-backs first game, first game against the Padres with Locked On Padres host Javi Peno. So be on the lookout for that later this week. Hope everyone is staying safe and staying healthy. Peace!